Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey guys, before we start the episode, I just want to thank all the people who support me on Patreon. Thank you so much, guys. You guys get that bonus podcast every Friday. And also the upper tier people get some exclusive videos and, you know, $5 or more, more or month will get you a Talking Metal t-shirt. So definitely support us on Patreon. We uh, could really use the support. And so many great people there like Steven Saylor, Steven Rodriguez, Steve Hoker, plain old Steven, Sam Soupy, Ron Keel, Richard Langridge, Patrick Schwartzman, David S. Gray, Mike Jones, Michael Street, Metal Dan, Matt Carroll, Leo from Alaska, Kenny McCrimmon, John Bavari, Johan Enderstrom, Joe Ryan, Sean Francois Blas, Jay Vaninsky, Jason Seth, James Bennett, Gregory, Jerry from Long Island, Fred Roots, Drake, Dan Gurwan, Brad Dahl, Anthony Mackey, Adam Marr, uh, and that's it, actually. So thanks, guys. And I wanted to mention Brad Dahl, by the way, has Yarg Radio. Um, it's a great streaming service. If you're looking for great music, check Brad's uh, Yarg Metal Radio out. I should. Uh, I'll send it out on Twitter. Today's podcast was originally done as a Talking Metal Facebook live stream. And it is co-hosted by John Ostrowski, a.k.a. Astronomy. The guest is Dave Ellefson of the band Ellefson, Megadeth, and many more. Here we go. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. This is the Sean Baker Orchestra with Which Way to Radioland.
Hey guys, to get us started, this is a brand new song by Elfson. It's called Simple Truth. Really great tune. A great, great rocker here. Definitely go support Elfson by picking this up on Bandcamp or listening to it on Spotify or whatever streaming service you use. All right, here we go. Simple Truth by Elfson, followed by an interview John and I conducted just recently with Dave Elfson. Actually, the interview was recorded on May 1st. Here we go. Thanks for joining us tonight on Talking Metal Live on Facebook. Well, the first the first question I had to ask you is if that was some kind of like Zoom wallpaper behind you or if those yeah. are actually really wireless balls. <laughs> <laughs> it is a real background, but everybody now is doing the Zoom background. So I, I actually thought I'm going to have to prove this every time that this isn't a fake photo yeah. that I made in yeah, Photoshop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so David, um, I was on, I guess it was Blabbermouth the other day, and, and you were playing your bass along to this great new song, Simple Truth. Yeah. Uh, a new song off of, I'm assuming, the forthcoming second album by Ellefson, right? It is. I can play it right now. Yeah. Nice. We can all, all three, grab, grab a guitar back there and let's do it. I know, I'll grab one too, yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, a second album is on the way. Where, is the album completed at this point? It's, it's, it's written. Um, we, Tom is still working on some lyric stuff, but musically it's written. We, um, that song, Simple Truth, we actually wrote um, when we were in Italy. So we did Mega Cruise. Then Tom and I went over to um, England 
to do the event that we did with KK Downing up at right. KK Steel Mill, which was, uh, which is funny, it started as a book signing. It was me hitting up KK because we're buddies and we'll email back and forth. And I said, hey, I, uh, I'm going over to, to do a little solo bass tour, uh, you know, Ellison tour in uh, Italy and, and Switzerland in early November. I said, which, you know, what, what's your venue like? Can I do a book signing there? And so it started as just a signing, maybe the two of us doing the signing, then my band playing, maybe KK jump up for an encore. Right. And then it turned into like basically us putting together Judas Priest, you know, 2.0 with, <laughs> with less Which things. Was totally Ripper cool. Yeah. Ripper. Yeah, it was just, it was amazing how it, and it just came together. We're all just buddies and we're friends and, you know, it's me and me and KK, and then we got Ripper on the phone, and then Ripper said, "Well, hey, why don't we get Les Banks?" And I'm like, "Oh my God, you guys are killing me here!" It's like I'm, I'm joining <laughs> Judas Priest for a night, you know. So, um, but yeah, so we did we did that show, and then um, my solo band we went down to uh, to Italy, and my guitar player Andy Martinjelli, uh, who I was introduced to uh, by Kiko actually back in about 2016 or so. And Andy's become a good friend. He's played with me and Frank Bellow. And, and then I just asked him to, you know, to tour with me in the, in the solo band. So he got our drummer, Paulo and our guitar player, Valerio, uh, out of Italy. And, and that very first day we were rehearsing for the, for the Italian tour, um, Tom and said, he goes, why don't we write a song today? And you know, it's interesting when you set the intention to write a song. I, I, I really walked into the, to the jam room, plugged my bass in, to an amp that I didn't really know and just kind of dialed up this sort of punk rock tone. And I literally right. just started playing that riff. Da, 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 da. This is sort of dead Kennedy's, <laughs> yeah. you know, punk rock thing. And that song literally wrote itself in like an hour. And, really? Um, wow. It's a great tune. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank awesome you. Awesome tune. And, and, and it's up you. on all the streaming services now. Um, yep. And yep. Well, and what, what we did, you know, and we can obviously fill in some of the backstory of this, but we, you know, as we launched the Schools Out initiative um, to give free music lessons to students, for initially it was going to just be around the or USA, and now it's around the whole world, because students are out of school everywhere uh, because of COVID-19. Um, so, we, so we launched that as part of my David Ellison Youth Music Foundation, and we had planned on putting Simple Truth out in April anyway, because... Uh, my solo band, we're going to be going to Australia and Japan with Chris Poland uh, as our special guest. Wow, oh, wow. amazing. C coming up here in a couple of weeks, literally in a couple of weeks, we're going to be going. Of course, that now is pushed back and it's been rescheduled to uh, February and March of uh, 2021. But um, I, I called Tom one day. I said, listen, man, why don't we just give that song away? We'll donate. Uh, well, I mean, we'll, we'll put it on Bandcamp where we can sell it and we'll obviously put it on the digital you know, outlets and stuff. But I said, look, any of the proceeds we get from it, let's just give it all to the Italian, uh, some, some, you know, fund over there. And he found the red cross cause they have a really wonderful COVID-19 relief fund, sure. uh, to give it to the Italians. You know, our band is half Italian <laughs> and I was just over there with Megadeth on the five finger death punch, Megadeth bad wolves tour. We were literally just there in Milan, you know, a couple of weeks before that whole thing, you know, really started to wow. melt down over there. So, um, yeah, you know, to, to see the Italians be with them, it was just a slamming show we did. And, and then to just see what they went through or have been going through, you know, so, yeah. So, you know, it's kind of, that's our, our little, you know, homage to, to Italy as well as a fun little tune, you know? Well, it sounds great. And if it's a, if it's a sign of what's to come on this, uh, album from you guys, it's a, a good sign for sure. But I just want to go back. You mentioned, um, kids being out of school uh and and can you talk a little bit about what you're doing because it's pretty cool i mean these kids who are now 
you know, out of school could potentially get lessons from some really pretty heavy players through some of the stuff that you're doing. Can you just give us the background on that a little sure. bit? Sure. Yep. So it was like mid-March and um, Megadeth, we were going to go down to Mexico to do the Hell in Heaven Festival. And we were literally watching it by the hour, you know, what, what we were going to, we're going to go, or are we not? Um, and uh, we just decided, look, it's, it's not worth the risk. So we ended up, you know, back in, back in, and of course, right around that exact same moment, um, schools were closing left and right across the States and, right. you know, everything was just shutting down mid-March, you know? So Tom called me up and he just said, he goes, look, why don't you give some free bass lessons? And I said, I said, I'd be happy to, but I mean, I'm just one little dude with a bass. I can't give that many lessons, you know? So I said, let, uh, let me call up my friends like Bumblefoot and Nita Strauss and, uh, I called Dirk and Kiko and even uh, Chris Poland and Jimmy DeGrasso, some wow. former Megadeth members, and just the, just the whole tribe. And what you know, what we quickly found out, of course, is not only are kids out of school, but a lot of our friends are out of work now. You know, right. um, either tours are postponed or canceled. A lot of musicians are sidemen uh, to other you know big big artists, and they're all out of work. And so, by coming up with the schools out initiative, I, I initially asked everybody, said, "Look, can you just donate?" an hour of your time to give a couple lessons and they all, you know, everybody agreed to do that right away. But then we did a, we did a, um, uh, like a webathon, I guess, um, kind of, in my mind, sort of taking it from the Jerry Lewis telethon concept, you know, when we were yep. kids <laughs> and we did this big webathon and we did it as a fundraiser. We did it two weeks in a row. Um, the Grammy music education coalition, uh, supported that with us. We're part of their coalition. And it was really great because it helped us raise some funds to be able to now employ some musicians and to put them to work uh, and to help give these lessons. Because, I mean, we're like over a thousand applicants now. So we're starting to bang them out and start knocking them down now. And Yeah, and it's super fun. I mean, we've done right. lessons all, you know, several states in the U.S., to Argentina, uh, Holland, Uzbekistan, um, I can't remember where else. I mean, all over it. It's just, it's just going gangbusters right now. It's really cool. Dave, is the Grammy Foundation part of this as well? They are. Yeah, the Gra Grammys, they have, you know, there's several pillars. They, obviously, there's the TV show, which is what we all know. They have the Grammy Museum, which is downtown Los Angeles next to the Staples Center. They have Music Cares, which is now a lot of people are starting to find out about. I initially knew of it kind of through drug and alcohol rehab assistance, but also uh, as a, as a sort of a stopgate to musicians that need insurance and, and need you know, need, uh, medical assistance. And then now they've started the Grammy music education coalition. That's kind of their fourth pillar of their, of the recording Academy. And, um, they just started it. So when we launched the David Ellison youth music foundation back in 2018, uh, we immediately partnered in together and we became part of their coalition. Um, a lot of what their focuses are on inner city uh, schools and inner city, um, you know, type of scenarios. My foundation, I wanted to focus specifically on rural areas because that's where I grew up in Minnesota. Um, and it's it's funny you would you would appreciate this, John, is that on uh, you know the the mayor of my little town in Jackson, Minnesota, where I grew up, he he deemed David Ellison Day October 9th. And immediately when he did that, I thought, God, it's so awesome. I remember when Kiss got the keys to the city in like Pontiac, Michigan or something. Yeah, yeah, yep, Michigan, yep. Right? And I looked it up. It was October 9th. So that is an wow. amazing day. No <laughs> doubt about it. Perfect Good day for happen that. on October 9th. Yeah. <laughs> October 9th. No, that's amazing. And what you're doing is amazing. And I've always been uh, 
a fan of music education, bringing uh, music education to kids that won't normally get it from their school, and even trying to help out schools if they couldn't bring it into their school. So I love what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, and you know, it's nice because Jackson Guitars has offered to, um, you know, give a couple of guitars to some students in need. Same with Shore Microphones, just gave us some microphones and um, uh, Samson Harkey, of course. And, you know, the thing of it is, is we, we got, it's pretty wide now. You know, we've got everything from, you know, drums and percussion to uh, keyboard instruments, vocals, guitar, bass, of course. And, you know, we're, we're looking into you know, even some other you know, horns and all kinds of different stuff. So that it's really, wow. really widespread so that it, it's, you know, not just for people who want to play rock and roll, but that it's, it's really something that, you know, not only helps now, but is, is going to be a sustainable platform now moving forward. Because I think what schools are going to be in or out of session, depending on how everything plays out. And, um, you know, look, we know, I mean, you know, I always say, you know, when I grew up in Minnesota, when I had a, a snow day, it was an awesome day because I could go down yeah. and jam, play bass. <laughs> But about five, six snow days in a row, and I'm starting to lose my mind, you know. Right. <laughs> so it's, uh, exactly. But it's just, it's good to have something to focus on. And especially if you're a musician and you're young and you're learning, it's very important to keep that instrument in your hand and to continue to be educated and continue to push yourself to learn new stuff. So that's hopefully what we can provide with the Schools Out Initiative. That's awesome. That's awesome, great Dave. stuff. Let's just circle back quickly to the follow-up to uh, 2019 Sleeping Giants. When are you imagining we would get that from from? Elf? Well, you know, it's funny. Tom randomly pushed out, and I say Tom, my partner, Tom Hazer, who we've been business partners with the EMP label group and Combat and the Allison Coffee and all this stuff. And um, he uh, is now, you know, singing on, on the record. And he had just randomly said, he goes, you know, I'm thinking October is going to be okay. a good time. And so he pushed that out there. And it's, it's funny, you know, how some people just have good instincts on this stuff, you know, because I was looking at the year going, yeah, I don't know, we get this, you know, Megadeth tour in the summer and we get the second leg in the fall. And then, of course, with COVID-19, you know, who knows what's going to happen with all this touring? You know, there's, there's n none of us know. Um, and we're going to really literally be taking it week by week, I think. So as ironically, um, it's kind of serendipitously. I, it looks like October <laughs> will be the release of of the of right. the second Ellison record, and yeah, it's going to be um, you know mostly original material. There's a couple of really cool covers on there, um, and it's like I say we've been we've been working on writing it right as we finished the the, the Megadeth Five Finger tour um, in Bulgaria. I actually went up to London. Me and Andy went up there, and we worked with our engineer Alessio up there in the Wembley area, and, and worked at his studio and pretty much finished most of the writing. So, you know, now it's just, I, I mean, literally, you say this is my video studio, but when I move my computer over there, that becomes my recording <laughs> studio. So right before we started this call, I was literally laying bass down and sending files across the world to <laughs> drop into the session, you know? It's amazing that you can do that now, right from the room that you're in. You can record an actual album right there. It, it is. And I got to tell you, it's not my preferred way to do it. I mean, I like human interaction, you know. I, in fact, my, my friend John Ancolino, who um, was also in the band Icon. Uh, oh, I Records. love Icon. Yeah. Right. So he's, he's like about a half hour down the road from me down in Mesa, Arizona. And he's got this incredible multi-million dollar studio. Um, he, it's 30 feet underground. And I've, uh, wow. I've done a lot of stuff wow. there. I did some of my Megadeth pre-production stuff there. We, I recorded Metal Legion's bass stuff there. I did a Dalskin record there. Um, some of the tracks on the first and the Sleeping Giants album. So, you know, great, just awesome, killer studio. 
and obviously we kind of separated a bit because you know of all this but we were just talking today and I, and I just said man I, I miss sitting there with you playing bass and he said well look we don't seem to be sick maybe we can get together next week so <laughs> right. you know, I like it I, I to me music is you know I never wanted to be a bedroom musician you know and, and I don't, right, I don't right. like to just you know I get I always kind of I guess self-produce some of our stuff but you know I do it with Tom with Andy I, I like group interaction you know I, I to me, yeah. music is, is about what it feels like in the room um, when you write it, when you record it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, I think it's just, it's important to, to, I don't know, there's just kind of a, you kind of can read, if you're reading the room and everybody's digging it, chances are when you take it out onto a stage, the audience is going to dig it, you know, but okay. if you're just right. isolated in, you know, I mean, some yeah. people have to self-produce because no one will work with them. <laughs> you know, um, some some people really are great self-producers, and I admire that. I I personally am a guy that I you know, music to me it was always ever since I picked up the bass at age eleven. Music for me has always been about getting together with the guys to rip up some tunes to take it on a stage. You know, so I I, I like the human interaction in the room. Me too. Me too. I absolutely um, even love going into the physical recording studio. There's a whole different vibe that that I get when I literally enter a real music recording studio. And I'm sure you feel that way too. I agree. You know, it's funny. My friend Jimmy DeGrasso had commented once. I remember doing an interview years back and he had commented too. He said, you know, going into a recording studio can be kind of intimidating on one level because it's all right. knobs and levers and it's very Star Trek like, and there's, you know, it's like walking into a cockpit of an airplane, like what the hell all these things do, you know? Um, and so it can be a little intimidating because the people that work in the studios are in there all the time. They, they, they're very skilled at what they do. And I remember back making like the countdown to extinction record. I remember with Max Norman, we were working at the enterprise studio over in um, Burbank, which I not, I later have just this week found out a guy that was an actor in Star Trek owned that. And that's why he called it the what? Enterprise Studio. Wow. I did not know that. But anyway, I remember going in and again, same thing, big, huge SSL consoles and all this. And I, it was on that record that I realized, I think it was Max and I were just talking one day, you know, about the skill set because I'm, you know, largely a live performer. And back in those days, of course, we make a record and then you go out on the road for a year, year and a half. And, you know, it's a, it's two years before you're back in the studio making music again. And, and you know, the skill set of guys that are in the studio every day making records, you listen different. Uh, some of your technique is a little bit different. Your gear is different. So everything about your world is different. Um, when you're, when you're there, because everything's always under the microscope, you know, um, but I, I am I am with you, John. That you know there is something about you know just that environment of the studio. You're 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 there, sort of you know building something out of nothing. You're sort of these ideas are being mm -hmm. laid down and formulated. And 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 the beautiful thing in the studio is it's kind of like ooh, what if we take that part and we do that there? What if we try that a second time? What if we you know what I mean? There's just this sort of it's, you know, I don't, it's like being in the kitchen, you know, it's like, Ooh, what if we had a little more of this and we stirred a little more? <laughs> oh, I like that. You know, let's, you know, and, and it, I, that's just kind of one of the beautiful things of the studio. It's like this big sonic kitchen, if you will. So David, uh, you, you mentioned uh, Megadeth touring. Um, you know, the tour was, I believe, supposed to start June 12th with, with Lamb of God. Right. Is no official postponement at, at, at this point yet? There is not, you know, and, and again, we're taking it week by week because, right. I, mean, I mean, look, it, it's supposed to start on the East Coast, you know, but it's, there's, 
Look, there's a lot of things in play with it, obviously. I think Live Nation is the promoter on most or all of those right. dates. So there's that. There's the city ordinances. It's whatever the governors of every state. Right. Um, so, the, you know, there's a, there's a lot at play, you know. And, of sure. course, Live Nation, I'm sure, is, is looking at an entire calendar of big tours. Um, and so I'm sure that everybody's, you know, got their – their, their, their pencil sharpened and doing the math and kind of figuring out when and where, you know, and again, ne you know, next year, hopefully sports are back open and everything's up and running. So it's like, man, there's going to be, there's going to be a, a, not only an er a, a craving to go see live events, but there's going to be a lot of live events trying to book every single day that's available in every venue possible with all of these postponements this year. But, um, but yeah, I mean, look, it, whatever, whatever either stays the same or changes on the Megadeth front, that'll all be, Megadeth.com, any announcements will be made. Okay. Yeah, and I was going to say, Dave, uh, one of the things is it's not like you guys are holding up an announcement. It's like everybody's waiting for Live Nation and promoters and everybody else yeah. to make an announcement and a decision. And that, as you said, there's a lot of things in play. The government, the states, Live Nation. So it's not – a lot of people are wondering why bands aren't posting things on their site. It's not the band's fault. The bands are also waiting to find out what's going on. And yeah. for anybody who knows touring, I mean, this is like a huge undertaking, and uh, everybody's just playing it by ear at this point. And I, I guarantee you that Megadeth and everybody else is going to get the fans the information as soon as they possibly can. Yeah, I mean, look, our job is to go play shows. I mean, look, my bass is tuned. I'm I'm ready to go. You know what I mean? Right. My stage clothes are packed. I'm ready to head out the door. You know <laughs> what I mean? Um, and, you know, I'm just here to follow marching orders as is everybody else. So it's kind of like I'm playing a gig until the day they say I'm not, you know, and right, that's right. and I think that's that's kind of all of our mindset. Um, and, and, you know, look, whatever, however we have to play that. Like I said, I the, the solo dates that I had for, for my Ellison solo band, um we in fact at one point i literally had flights are booked i mean we were heading to australia and japan and i had just uh, ward records had just put out the sleeping giants album over there we had a you know release date back in march and everything was ramped up and the press with burn magazine and metal hammer and, and then one day i get the announcement that you know australia is not going to issue any any visas until mid-june I mean, so look, all of a sudden, that, there's our answer. You know, you, can, yeah, right. you can't go. Like, they won't let you in the country. So it's like cancel flights and hunker down. And then we, you know, we did a reschedule and we pushed that back to um, uh, late February. And then I think Japan now is March 2nd and 3rd. So, um, and, you know, Frank Bello and I are scheduled with Altitudes and Attitude to be on the Monsters of Rock cruise. Uh, Which mid, is great, yeah. Yeah, mid, uh, kind of, what is that, February 8th through 11th or something like that? I forgot what the dates are on that, but... Uh, yeah, I had that written down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, February, yeah, in February. Yeah, February, yeah. So, and again, I, I hope that happens. Um, you know, it'll be great to get out and uh, for me and Frankie to fire it up. And I hit Frank, I said, hey, maybe we should, you know, record a new song. And he said, sure, I don't know when or how. And, oh, we got a creeper back that there. That was, that was... <laughs> <laughs> That's my wife, Emily, you want to say hi? <laughs> hey, what's going on? Hey, hi. I am come on in. I've been, I've been spying. Hey, come on in. Hey. It, it, the, but this whole conversation brings back so many memories because the first show I saw, I, I lived in New York City. We both lived in New York City during 9-11. Yeah. 
And the first show I saw after 9-11 was you guys at Irving Plaza. Do you remember that show? Ooh, I do remember it. And, you know, it's so weird. Al Petrelli uh, played guitar with us. And, of course, he's born and bred New Yorker. And at the time, I think, even lived in Manhattan. And, and I mean, he was freaked out. I mean, All like, right. like freaked out and yeah. uh we actually had an emt at the show who took me and dave down to ground zero drove wow. us right wow. down like after sound check we got in the car yeah. literally drove us i mean it was the scene you saw on cnn with half the building that thing sticking out of the ground i mean yeah that was one of the weirdest moments. There was a smell like, and I'm yep. it, yes. yep. it was like a burning was. smell. Yeah. Right, it was yep. a burning smell. It was a, I've never smelled anything like it ever since. It was the strangest yeah. thing. And, right, I mean, just yeah, 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 no doubt about I, it. I yeah. remember. And did we? I think we played two nights or something. Right? Was it? One I was two? there the first night. I, I don't know if you played two nights. It was Irving Plaza, and I just remember it being this one of the most memorable shows of my life. And and it brings back memories of like where we are today because it yeah. was difficult for me actually to yeah. go to that show. I was a little bit frightened and I think all of us were, and we were going through metal detectors and things we weren't used to. Right. right? Yeah. So it was just a different, um, we knew that going into that after nine 11 in New York city was going to be a different vibe as right. it is now. Right. So it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's very, you know, you're right. I mean, think about it. It's like, I mean, back in the day, I mean, there, you know, now there's metal detectors, hell they don't even let, they don't even let anybody get up in any shoulders and God forbid some chick pulls or lifts her shirt. Right. You know, I mean, they'll get flashlighted and arrested. Right. And, you know what I mean? It, it's a very different rock and roll than the one we all grew up with. I don't know more. It's and, funny though. We were at a show up in, in Montreal and, and chicks were lifting up their shirts. It's a different story up there. Hey, they're yeah. French Canadian. They, they roll a little different up there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, David. I know we, we have to let you go yeah. in a, a few minutes, but, um, you mentioned Frank Bellow. Have you been working on any new music for Altitudes and Attitude? Well, it's funny, you know, I hit him last week because we, we were talking about it back in, in March, actually. Um, and I was talking to Mike Monterulo, who's uh, TKO for, you know, uh, Anthrax manager and agents. And and he was asking, he said, hey, are you guys going to Mexico next week for hell in heaven? And I said, well, now we are. And so we just kind of had a nice chat about things and, and, you know, just talking about all that stuff. And, and I, and I, cause I wanted to get in and do another song. And you got to realize with me and Frank being in Megadeth and Anthrax, if we're going to be on a cruise in February next year, that means we need to start planning by like March of this year, right? right. <laughs> like when, where, who, how long, how much, you know, and, and fortunately Jay Rustin, uh, producer Jay Rustin, right. has really been a, a good friend to me and Frank, and he's a bass player, and of course he produces the Anthrax records, and, um, but, and, and he, he, he really took a liking to what we do with, with altitudes and attitudes. So, um, but I, you know, the idea is to look at Frankie's going to be out in LA or something, working on some anthrax stuff at some point, maybe I'll drive over and we'll, we'll bug Jay to stay behind an extra day or two and knock a, knock a, right. an A and A song down, you know, but, um, but we definitely have stuff. I mean, we, Frank, Frankie and I are definitely never at a loss of writing, writing songs. Cool. And, and Dave, we were talking last record, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Mark. Uh, Dave and I mentioned in honor of Ace Frehley's birthday on yes. our audio version of this, we're going to have to play the A and A song late with Ace on lead. Yes, guitar. please do. I know it's so funny. I just I just hit Ace on an email with Frankie on there just to wish him a happy birthday. And
that's so funny. I just I just hit Ace on an email with Frankie on there just to wish him a happy birthday. And, and you know, it's, it's such a bummer because last year we were going to actually do a show with Ace. Um, and then I forgot a Megadeth show came in, something I think in Chicago. And then, of course, Dave got sick with cancer and we had to just cancel everything. And at that point, it was kind of too late to reschedule with Ace. But it was, a, it was one of those weird moments where we almost did some shows together, which really... Would have just been fun, oh, you know. Man, it would have been amazing. Well, one day we will make that happen for we sure. We will make I that happen, it. yes. I and by it. the way, John, just shout out to you, dude. You were the one who helped connect all that. You and Jay Rustin and everybody put that together to to help get Ace connected and get thank you, know, you. thank get you, get that solo on our record. So we really appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate actually, that. Now, now I'm remembering that I went to the. It was Rat and Ace up in, in right. White Plains or something. Right, and you guys were supposed to be there. Right. Right. We were supposed to be there. Yeah, we were on it, and then I had to, then I had to cancel off of it because we had these Megadeth shows that came in. It was like first week, like Fourth of July or something, right? Or first week. Yep. Of July mm -hmm. or yeah, right yeah. around that time. Yeah. Yep, and then then by like late June or something, we just had internally. We were all in Nashville working on the Megadeth record and. We just had to make the decision. Look, we got to shut down. Dave's got to go. Dave was, you know, kind of researching what treatment he was going to be doing. And so we just finally had to make a decision. Look, we just got to clear the calendar and let Dave, right. you know, get his treatments, which he did. And he's through it on the other side, fortunately. And things are good with him and with Megadeth now. But, um, yeah, you know, it's just a, a weird and it was interesting because we had just the Aussie tour had canceled. We were first of course we were supposed right, to be on the right, Aussie yeah. Megadeth tour right, right. and that <laughs> postponed. So yeah, that what a weird summer last summer was. It's like every plan we had, none of it happened. It was I mean, that's why when this stuff like we're in now, it's like, yeah, story of our lives, you know what I mean? You can make yep. all the plans in the world and it sometimes <laughs> Dr. White hands you a different card, you know? Dave, and, and get, this is one thing I learned uh, after I started working with Ace is that the itinerary booklet they give you at the beginning yep. is all false, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is the same once you they, go through it. The the best in, they should call it the best intentions book, you know what I mean? Yes, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and again, you know, that's kind of, I think, the thing we're dealing with now is, you know, you can route it. You know, normally we route a tour, of course, we'll route across all the lower 48 states and, you know, route. But obviously with what's going on now, some states may be open, some states may not, you know what I mean? So now anything that was routed previous to this, I mean, you could have a week off, you know, holes, and I know, you know, tours can't afford that. I mean, it just doesn't. Right, right. Yeah, doesn't you can't, work like that. You know, you so, can't send everybody home and then flying back out to restart again. Yeah, know? exactly. So, yeah, interesting times. I mean, it's going to be kind of back to the, back to yeah. the drawing board for a lot of stuff now. But you know, the good news is, is you know. Again, when I'm done talking to you, I'm going to move over here and start recording again. And it's right it's a beautiful <laughs> thing that's uh, that we can do that and that we can, you know, and that's kind of been, I think, our thing with our youth foundation and, and even what, you know, we're doing with my Ellison solo band. I mean, fortunately, we have these songs written. We've got a few of them recorded, mixed, ready to go. And Perfect. and we're, we're just going to kind of drop a couple things now over the next, you know, couple of months, you know, just leading up to what looks like probably October will be our, our launch date of our, of our, of our record and you know um you know it's it's but you know kind of just sort of just drop a few things out there i mean with digital you can do that now it's easy band camp is really nice because um in the case of simple truth you know the, they pay immediately so the money can be collected and we could send you know payments over to the italian red cross immediately you know 
things like Spotify and iTunes, I mean, those can take six to nine months before they even pay. And then it's another 90 days till you get your money. And, you know, it's good to know that, David. So like guys, uh, use Bandcamp and and work through that so that you guys can get what you need to get to that Italian Red Cross because they need it right now, not in six months. Exactly. That was exactly why. Thank you for that. And that's, that's exactly why we launched it there first. And so it's out everywhere now, but that's Bandcamp is kind of where we're driving everybody because that that's, that's immediate money for real needs right now. And for you online, it's the website is, is it Elfson.com? Yeah, just DavidElfson.com is kind of the, the place where, ellisoncoffeeco.com, you know, all the, all the band stuff. Uh, we also have the um, uh, David Ellison Youth Music Foundation. Actually, it's ellisonyouthmusicfoundation.org is our website there. And that's where students can sign up. If you're 18 and under, you can sign up for the free lessons there. And we also have a donate button up there. Um, we are continuing, you know, fundraising. Um, fortunately, the, the expenses of our foundation are not, that high. So we don't have a bunch of payroll and infrastructure stuff. So our money can actually go right to the proper sources again to pay musicians to give lessons. Um, and, um, we actually do have an eBay as well, an eBay auction. Uh, I think that's also Ellison youth music foundation. Uh, we just completed an auction. Um, in fact, that, that drum head back there, You're right. I love that. it's ready to be sent out to the, uh, oh, cool. To the guy who uh, so that has already been purchased. It is. It has. It's been purchased. I, I I'll send it Monday because I wanted to keep it here for our little chat. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for so, doing that. It's so cool. Well, so, it's always great talking with you, David. Yeah. And we thank appreciate you guys. I really appreciate it, man. Thank, thank you, you so David. And yeah, I we really appreciate you coming on. You're welcome. See you guys. Bye. Okay. Bye. Take care, David. Take Bye. care, brother. All right. Oh. All right. What a great interview. What yeah. an amazing. Some of Emily crashed the interview. Hey, that's that's great. Hey, hey, no, <laughs> no I, but that was a great moment in the end. Yeah, yes. that was, made it cool. Made it cool. And your story about that concert was amazing. But, yeah. I have to. I I would challenge both of you. I think I'm a bigger Megadeth fan than both of oh, you. I, you know you yes. I, I was going to ask yes. you, John. The the first time I saw Megadeth, I, I couldn't remember. If, and you're you're crushing the mic. It's right there. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. The first time um, I saw Megadeth, were you with me in Boston? But, yes. It, it it was Megadeth Sanctuary and Slayer. Was that it, or was I mixing no. up two concerts? No, see, I don't know. If, I don't. I don't. I, I was with some people from Berkeley the first time I saw Megadeth, but I. I think I was there. Was it the Orpheum it was, Theater? Yeah, it was Warlock with Dora Doro Pat. Yes, I was. I was there. Yeah, I can, I mix yeah. up two of those concerts. Yeah. That was a that was an insane show. That was on yes. the So Far So Good So What tour, the mm-hmm. third album, and that yeah. that show I I always put like top fifteen for me. The energy, yeah, no doubt. And any of the Boston shows that I yeah. saw are my some of my top shows. And the only yeah. show I swear to that God in New York, that, I think. Yeah, yeah, that was right in the first year. The, yeah. One of the only shows that rivaled those old shows that we saw was the Heaven and Hell show that we all went to at Radio right. City. That right. was a yeah, great Emily show. Wasn't there, but I was pregnant. Oh, I think she was pregnant. I was either pregnant <laughs> or with a newborn. Yeah. But, yeah. but I didn't get into Megadeth into Countdown to Extinction, which is... Right. I, well, you're, 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 you're seven I'm years seven younger than years us. You're younger than us. So, yeah. We're but, older. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that was when I fell in love with them. And, yeah. So all of the later albums, I mean, I, I'm, I'm into the, the earlier albums too, but obviously 
but I, uh, yeah, I'm super into Megadeth. Right. I love Megadeth. Um, and I mean, for me, I mean, when we did, hey guys, are you still there? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. I had like a, I had like a weird little thing happen, but now I, you're back. Uh, what's great is that uh, let me let me see here I, if my view has just changed or what. Okay, now I'm back. Now I'm back. So uh, when we did Talking Metal with Dave Mustaine, that was amazing. Remember that? Yeah. yeah you know, Dave. <laughs> yeah. When he, we went to the hotel room. And, yeah. and he was showing you how to play guitar and stuff. That's up yeah. on YouTube if anyone has yeah. All the Fuse shows, John and I had a show on Fuse uh, in 2007, 2008. Uh, all those shows are up on YouTube, yeah. except for and the- And that was, that was such a great day, and uh, we had a blast. We were in Dave Mustaine's hotel room. How cool was that? Yeah. And then I forgot to mention this on the, the show with David Ellison, but David Ellison was here at the Silver Spacecraft. Can you believe that? I was trying. Was it was it that location or was it the other location? It was this location. Yeah, because right. we did some talking metal at the other right. prior apartment in Jersey City. But David Ellison was physically in this one, and he even said, "He goes, what do you got? Kiss's entire stage set up in the other room." There? Well, he really remembered fun. because I don't know. It may have been before the interview started or something. But he was saying, "Oh yeah, you got Eric Carr's drum set," which right, right. Yeah. He remembers yeah. that. And um, what was really funny about that is that after the interview, and this is when he had the F five project uh, happening, he had to go somewhere in, and he he was he had his own car. Um, and I decided that I was going to ride with him to show him where to go. So I rode from here to the Holland Tunnel with him, and then he dropped me off, and I said, just follow that road there. Right, right. <laughs> How cool is that? Very Driving great. with David Ellison of Megadeth and all the great musicians he's played and with. So did he, did he think, is, is Mustaine totally in the clear with the cancer? Did you guys ask about that? We didn't uh, ask I did that. on the la last interview, and it seemed like he was a, a few months back, yeah. He's in remission, or is he like... Yeah. Did they say anything about that? No. Not during this particular interview, but I think Mark said that he said he was in the clear when yeah. you spoke to him last. I, you know, I never hear any noise from outside. Today I heard people talking and now there's a dog barking. I love it. I love hearing some interaction. Earlier here, I felt like I was, you know, in like a bubble in it's this a place. Bird. I, the bird. Yeah, by the way, guys, um, I know that uh, I'm going to do something right now. I don't know if this is cool, but uh, how about this? Are we going to do cheers? Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. This is a talking metal toast. This is uh, bullet rye. What is this? Uh, it's just beer. Okay. Uh, I'm going to wow. pour a little drink here of bullet rye, which I happen to really like, by the way, guys. Um, if you are going to drink bullet, or if you're going to make a Manhattan, a lot of people do not use bullet rye, but I recommend bullet rye as opposed to the other bullet, which is- oh, I don't know what that is even. Yeah, it's really good. So if you mix this, two parts of this, one part sweet vermouth, a little bit of bitters, and I like to use cherry bitters, which is a rare bitters, and uh, like you do like three droplets and uh, shake it in one of those shakers and then pour it out and it's really good. So check this out, bullet rye. Do you and know bullet is not spelled like a bullet, it's like a weird spelling. Right well, do you know, I'm sad right now because we were supposed to be at M3 right now. Correct, I know, today, yeah, I know. I, I have like these fond memories of 
Mark doing his own thing and me and John like running off yeah. and trying to find <laughs> <laughs> like, where yeah, we, were the, we were going to the concession stands at M3 while Mark was doing official talking metal business. <laughs> right. Emily and I were doing our own thing. Like we were right. having, we're, <laughs> I hate to say it, but we might have been having more fun during, <laughs> right. no offense to the right bands. Word, yeah. I'm kidding. John is I'm joking. my buddy. We are always we, like, we always have a, we, me and Emily are buddies, like no doubt about it. <laughs> okay, can we, let's do a toast, talking metal toast. Talking metal toast. Tink, okay, tink. we did it. Okay. What was that? There's some weird sound. With someone talking. Yeah. That was me making. I, I did like a vocal thing right there. Oh, okay. okay. I went. Da, da, da. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you sorry. may have thought that was some type of uh, YouTube sound or some kind of Zoom sound, but that was me with my vocal abilities <laughs> doing a sound. I'm sorry. I, I I'm a singer. I'm a singer. Are you guys? Are you guys? Uh, mad mad no, it was great. Are you check it out, people. What's that, Emily? I couldn't help myself crashing the interview. I'm glad, you, Emily, it makes these talking metal episodes cooler when you are part of them, well, in my yeah, opinion. I just had to tell the story because there is like a, like a, 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 I don't know, it's not equal to 9-11, but there's a It's like it. You're right. It's like it. And coming, that was my first show after 9-11. And I felt wow. nervous. I felt nervous, mm -hmm. I'll be honest. No, I did too. Uh, I did too. And I think we all did, right? Living yeah. in New York City. No doubt about it. I remember my mom uh, saying, don't go to a show. The terror is yeah. on you. And I was mm -hmm. like, I have to keep on living my life. So right. you have to make decisions. And, you know, I felt like they were protecting us. It's, yeah, it's and I'm not situation, but it was similar in that I was a little frightened. It was my first show. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I agree 100%. And I had a show in Brooklyn with the band, the Electric Magic Sideshow, where I was playing the drums and it featured Billy May and a bunch of great other musicians. Where in Brooklyn? And, uh, it was, Brad, I don't even know what, I don't Brad know what the Park. venue was called. It was next to a pizza shop. That's all I know. We're not trash bar. There was no trash Whatever bar. Whatever was next to a pizza side. shop. I think the venue that. had a pizza shop in it, and the owner of the pizza shop was from Johnstown, Pennsylvania, my hometown. I don't even – how sad is it that I don't remember the venue, but I remember I took an, a cab over to Brooklyn, and I was also nervous about 9-11-style things happening, and, and you know, I, I was living in Jersey, and so for me to go from Jersey to Manhattan to Brooklyn, even though in – normal people's lives it's only a few miles in in new york city life it's like a big deal to go from one borough across one river to another across another river and uh especially after 9 11 so i was freaked out but i did it and i made it and i lived and, yeah. and then i flew to toronto literally in october 2001 and that was also a weird thing i flew to toronto and back in the same day how ridiculous is that but i was okay and, yeah. But this whole COVID thing is the same thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm about, I know this isn't politically correct to say, but I'm about finished with this COVID thing. Like, yeah. I'm ready to rock again. Yeah, we have to be cautious. I, of yeah. course, I'm on the far, far, I'm a scientist who works in... Right, right. I know. You're right. Emily, I, I need to talk to you more because you understand I, this stuff. I have a very conservative approach, even way more conservative than Mark's even, I think, mm -hmm. but... Yeah, we can talk offline about my thoughts on it. It's different than 9-11 for sure. I would like to talk to you because here's the thing. I'm the nuttiest person. I won't even touch anything in normal life, let alone COVID stuff. So yeah. I, I glove up with gloves. I got masks. Mm -hmm. And I, I started out with these skull masks, but then I realized they're kind of 
dorky. So uh, I just turn them around and they're black. Like, but I was wearing these skull masks for a while. <laughs> yeah, I have one too. I have one too. <laughs> yeah. So um, Emily said, "You're going to scare the kids in the neighborhood." Yeah, I, <laughs> so I, I said, like, "That's I the point." I said, "Keep those little creeps away yeah. from." The, the first day that I had the skull mask out, I was like, people stay away from me. I look mean. I might have like a gun, but, uh, but then now I feel like, like I'm at, I'm at like target going, hi, can I return this $5 item? And I got the skull mask and, and they're like, Oh, okay. Sorry. Or I'm at the bank going, can I get a check for my rent? Because I lost my checks and I got a skull mask on. So, uh, and they're like, are you going to rob me or are you, you going to get a check? Right. Yeah. yeah. So here's yeah. the thing. How about this bank robbers? Just go do it. No, I'm kidding. I'm right. joking. <laughs> right. I'm kidding. Do not rob banks. I was a joke. I just wanted. To, I was saving that for the podcast. We're all anyway. wearing the bandanas, and my yeah. boys too. So we all look like robbers. It's okay. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. I got to mention this. Back in the day, Kish used to wear uh, the medical masks and bandanas because they didn't want people to see what they look like without right. makeup. So there are pictures of uh, Paul Stanley on the bullet train in Japan wearing like the doctor style, old school doctor style mask. And then there are pictures of Kiss in Australia where they all have professionally made bandanas that have the Kiss logo. And they look cool. But so Kiss is used to wearing these bandanas. I asked Case, I said, have you went out? And he said, yeah, I went to the uh, grocery store and I was wearing a bandana. So if, you, if you're living in the area that Ace is living in, you might see him in the grocery store. I'm, right. I, I will or, or the pharmacy. I, I'm not sure if it was the grocery store or the pharmacy. And I'm talking into a fake mic, by the way. I, the bandanas a, could come back after <laughs> all this. I, I think in the, in the 50s, bandanas were popular because of all those cowboy shows. Right, uh, and then in the '80s they became popular again because, like you know, Van Halen yeah. and stuff would have the the, the yeah, thing right down here. You just uh, wear it here. Now, yeah, possibly the bandanas could come back. Our son is requesting more screen time. He, I think he's on his yeah. fifth. Bring hour him in. Right Bring he's him in. Get, Bring him in. He's got to go to bed. No, it's nine o'clock. I'm gonna come in. No, it's nine o'clock. Go to bed. But um, yeah, so. <laughs> The best thing, Mark, in the last oh podcast, you said they put a note under the door to you guys. Right. I yeah, love that. They did. Yeah. You guys, you guys have a great family that I'm jealous of. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I love it. You're my family. You're our family. Oh, I'm I'm part of the family. How about if I just come out there and I'll live with you guys? Come. I'll be I'll be like the the male nanny. You know you're welcome. Okay, you I'll do that. I, I can cook. I'm a really good cook lately. I'm I'm a expert <laughs> cook at this point. I've been cooking like a mad person. Mark tonight dinner was like, he's like, wow. He's like, you can really cook because I usually <laughs> don't have time. And now I actually have I love time. it. I love it. You know what? Let me tell you this. You're, see, the, this is, uh, we're straying a little away from talking metal, but I think our listeners enjoy this. This is the reality show style part. Let me tell you one thing. <laughs> you guys have a grill that has a flavor to me. <laughs> It's amazing, and I cannot replicate the flavor of your grill. I went and I got that sauce from Peter Luger's or or whatever that other place is. Yeah, Peter Luger's. Yeah, it's called the squirrels live in our grill. Yeah, then I must like squirrel. But eight months out of the year, the squirrels live in the grill, and then I come and I blowtorch the thing Uh for like an hour, and then we cook on it. For yeah, like, and that whatever that squirrel meets blowtorch flavor, I personally like. Right. So I like it. 
When I came I over the last time, you made me some steaks on that grill. Yes. That was awesome. It was good. And I think I, I had loved steak it. sauce from that place in Brooklyn. What's the Yeah, like, Peter Luger, right? Peter Luger. I, I went out and bought that, attempting to make my steaks taste like that. However, they uh, did not. They I'm did sorry. not because I didn't have that squirrel blowtorch flavoring. And where is but maybe blowtorch? we can put that out as talking metal, squirrel blowtorch. <laughs> like, and you know, bam. Like, you I know, mean, I'm going to be the new it. emerald. I made Bam. you a little, I loaded I made you a loaded baked potato too, right? Yeah, I, it was amazing. I loved it. Yeah. I loaded baked potato. I love all the stuff. And you know what I still think of to this day? And I do it to just imitate you guys. I open my crisper and I put beers in there. Because sometimes you guys keep beers, like craft beer in the crisper. Right. Don't tell people that we like <laughs> beers in our crisper. We put vegetables in our crisper. Not okay, vegetables. I like beers in the crisper. <laughs> I don't even remember that, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I could have been wrong. Vegetables. We would put. Oh, beers. right, 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 right. Yeah, that's. I true. thought there were beers in the crisper. Yeah. Hey, Mark, look at this. I brought. I brought it. Emily, you were here when I bought this shirt at the Aussie show that we all went yes. to. Remember right. that. Yes. Yeah, and I wore the uh, black Amazing. label vest as a commemorative talking metal. Uh, Amazing thing! Amazing. Uh, I'm ready to rock. I got my hat on. There's my hair without the hat. There's a the hair. Love it. Hat. Yeah, <laughs> know, looking pretty bad right now. It's yeah. Okay. I'm so yeah, that was cool. a, that was the Aussie show at PNC, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, and this is how John rolls at shows, and I've seen this over and over again. Uh, we were at that show, and there was like this VIP bar area at the side. Uh, of of the PNC Art Center, and John called me. He's like, "Come over to the area." And I went over there, and they're like, "You don't have access to this area." And John came out, and he was like, "Yes, he does. He has access to this area." And I was like, "Well, I don't know if I have." He's like, "Of course he does. That's Mark Sprinkle from Talking Metal. He was on Headbangers Ball, MTV, and he had his own show on Fuse. And this guy, he's Ozzy Osbourne." And the next thing I know, they they were like, "Oh, I guess you're right." And, just, <laughs> and then we hung out in the VIP area. That's what we do. And, uh, what we do, Mark Striegel, Emily Striegel, Talking Metal, John Astronomy. We do what we want, when we want, and where we want. Yeah, well, it's just sometimes when you show authority and, and, and if you act like you're supposed, supposed to be someplace, people are like, oh, he's supposed to be here. Yeah, and, right. and that's, that's something I, I always remember that night. And, and if, 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 you, if you're, you're, you're squeaking the chair here, um, if, if, you, if you push hard enough or just act like you're supposed to be somewhere, you generally are uh, accepting. You're you let in, yeah. It, yeah talking about old man, hey, we, thanks to Mark Striegel who came up with the idea to do the Talking Metal Podcast 2005. We did it based on Talking Baseball and uh, we rocked right. it and we started this and we love all the people who came uh, after us and uh, we're rocking and we're having a great time. Yes. Right? Absolutely. And we'll probably start to wind it down. We'd like to keep these to an hour. Yeah. Mark, uh, do you have any music news? Uh, I, let me, I don't know. I, I would like to maybe just rant a little bit. Let's rant. Uh, I want to hear some rants. Yeah, and, and, and I don't mean to, I'm not going to talk about anybody specifically, but okay. I got to tell you, and, and I know some people might disagree with me on this, but I'm sick of these quarantine videos. Um, there's a guy like right. these, like, and I don't mean, mean like you example, and I right. talking. I mean, yeah. all these people like playing their their music on their 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 cameras like this. And there was a guy, very big rock star. He's not metal or or hard rock even, 
but he was on uh, one of the late night talk shows. I happen to be a really big fan of this guy, and I'm not going to mention. And face my hand here. But he was sitting there in front of his computer playing piano and singing, and I was like, "This is like a train wreck." And and right, there's right. so many of them. I've turned on uh, big pop stars too, where it's like you know the 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 keyboard's too loud, you can't even hear the yeah. vocals, and correct. There's other ones that I think are completely fake. And I know they're completely yeah. fake. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've recorded it like on Pro Tools and made it sound perfect. And then they're just pretending that they're playing it. In right, quarantine. right. So, yeah, I, I object to I, that. I 100% object to that. Like, so if you're some superstar and you're, you're pretending you're with your acoustic guitar in your bedroom and the audio that's playing is a perfectly produced Pro Tools recording, that is not cool. And right. then what I also don't like, and I think you will agree with me, is when you're a superstar, you do not prepare, you pick up your acoustic guitar, you try to play your own song, and you fuck up a little bit. Right. I'm sorry for swearing. But um, if you make a mistake because it's a legitimate mistake, I, I'm okay with that. But if you, like, didn't put enough effort into it and you're just haphazardly doing it, I, I think that you're not putting enough effort into it. So that's right. what I disagree with, too. And so, I've seen a few good ones... But I'm, I'm by, by these professional musicians, pop stars to rock stars, I'm seeing more that I'm like absolutely embarrassed by than, right. th than I think are good. Um, it, it, so that's just my little rant. It's like, and it's like you said, if you're not prepared, if you don't have something really special to share with us, don't waste my time. Because I'm right, to the point right. now where people are like, Oh, watch this! It's uh, some guys playing. We, uh, we are the world, in, in you know, not to mention my band covered "We Are the World" like like twenty. Yeah. years. <laughs> that's a whole side story. But uh, it's like oh, I don't have no interest on clicking on on right. those uh, because yeah. I, I know that just that sounds like a train wreck, and and yeah. I, I'm really. Um, I'm kind of sick of it. I'm kind of, kind yeah. of no, I agree. I think if you put effort into it and you're doing it for the right reason, great. If you're doing it because you want everybody to say, Oh my God, look how artistic this guy is. He's amazing. Uh, that I don't go for. And I've seen both ways. I've seen some, you know, Alicia Keys, I've seen her do a couple things. I think she's great. Some other people I don't want to name. I've seen them do a few things. I don't think they're great. And then of right. course the fake ones, are just ridiculous because right. um, you know they're fake. And the only the only one that I think that was fake that I liked was the one that was, uh, and this is going to get me in trouble. Either the Backstreet Boys or one of those bands. Um, that was it. Was of course pre-recorded, but um, I liked it. One of those I liked, but but it, I am agreeing with you that this whole thing is. I, I agree with you. I'm just going to say it that way. Right. I agree. Well, with there you. was a one the rant. really big, like one of the biggest rock, rock bands of all time did one. And you see the four guys and none of these particular four guys play bass, but you can actually hear bass playing. Oh, right, right. So yeah, there's it's like, like yeah. it's like right there. It's like, okay. Yeah. This okay. Is, yeah. Yeah. Where's the bass? Yeah, 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 mimic, mimicking it, but, uh, yeah, or yeah. lip syncing. It's, yeah. It. It's not right. Whatever. I, yeah, I, understand. I don't and I, I am, I, I am fearful for the music industry because unlike sports, I feel like, I mean, we have to see where things go, but I feel like, you know, with sports, 
you could potentially put a basketball team or or a baseball team or a soccer team on on their fields and their court and have them play with no audience and through television and advertising revenue and merchandising you could still actually make a profit and right. and make this work um for sports i do think there's a possibility there right. but for live music i don't care how big the band is no one's going to no one's going to pay for like a pay-per-view event i we yeah. love we uh, i mean i love kiss kiss is one of my favorite bands of all time i love iron maiden but if somebody was like okay you can watch a pay-per-view event of them in your home and it's going to cost you $50 i don't know if i'd do it Right, right. Go to so, YouTube yeah. and watch Kiss in 1977 or Iron Maiden, you know, or something. Yeah. I don't know if I would do it. I really, I, I, I might. Right. For Kiss and Maiden, I might do it. But for some of these other bands, I don't, I don't know if I, I, I would, I yeah. would do a pay per view event. Yeah, like here's the thing: people will tune in to watch the Pittsburgh Steelers play the Oakland Raiders, uh, but they, I don't know if that many people, whatever normally tunes in for a football game is going to tune in for a Metallica concert and they're the biggest rock band in the world. And, 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 and pay for it when they can get so many free streaming clips on the internet. But I'm with right. you. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm definitely tired of this. Uh, you know, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm longing for a change. Uh, but the, the flip side of it is, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know shit. And I don't, I don't right. think any of these people on TV, you know, some people are like, we got to go back today and reopen things. And other people are like, we're not going to return to normalcy until 2022. So there's this, this big, <laughs> yeah, this is a big, big gap. Get back. From, yeah. Yeah. Of people who you know, think it's going back to normal tomorrow to, you know, two years from now. Yeah. And the fact is that none of us really know uh, when things yeah. are gonna, going to return. And I, I still believe it is, it is, you know, it is completely possible that this fall things could, could return. I think, I think right. we're, when you look at how, how quickly things went uh, in a four to five week period in, in the bad direction, you know, maybe they can go that quickly. Well, in the good, yeah. yeah. You know, so Here's the thing. How did this just pop up now? I mean, that that's, I mean, I don't think there's a conspiracy that is causing it to pop up, but I, it's right. just strange that, su you know, the world's been going for however long it's been going, and suddenly now we've got some weird thing going on. Yeah. Well, I'm not an expert. I mean, there, were a lot of, there were a lot of warnings, I think, like uh, uh, that Bill Gates' TED Talk from 2015 is the craziest thing uh -huh. ever because he basically wow. predicts everything. You know? Man. But, um, but, yeah, but, yeah, who knows? I, 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 here's I, the thing. I think we're going to have to say, and here's the funny thing. Like, let's say you go get a test. Somebody said this the other day. You get your test on Monday. It comes back on Thursday that you're okay. But between Tuesday and Wednesday, you pick it back up again. So you get your okay test on Thursday, but you actually got it yesterday after you took the test on Monday. So how can you even believe the test when there's a gap between that? So... I mean, I think unless everywhere you go, they hit you with a little oh, gun. I, I that see says, what you mean. It, yeah, yeah, you never had it. Yeah, I think that, that's why the antibody. I called my doctor today and actually spoke with her about the antibody test because I'm right. more interested in that. Because yeah. I, I was like, my job, I was exposed to so many like foreigners and stuff. It's like I, the way I, I look at it, it's like there was one day I had like a headache for two days. Maybe I had it. You know, I, I, yeah, I, know. I think I might have had it, too. I mean, yeah, I yeah, mean, no a, doubt. a real mild case of it. Now, I know I know people like Rob Dukes and other people have gotten hit really 
really hard with this, but uh, mm-hmm. there's a there's other people who have tested positive to it and not shown any symptoms at all. So right. it's very confusing. But anyways, but, one thing that is for sure uh, is rock and roll will return. You know, no doubt, no doubt about it. I mean, we'll return one way or the other. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking that here's one thing. You know how they come up at you in some of these places and they with like a gun. And I don't know if you said not a gun, but like some kind of instrument that takes your temperature. Yeah. What if that has COVID on it and they touch it to your head and they take one person's temperature and they're okay. And then they touch it to the next guy. He's got it. And then they touch it to the next person and then they give it to that person. That's what I'm wondering. Wow. That I, I hadn't thought of that. That's, uh, that's so, you know, you see these people like checking, like, yeah, you got, I'm it, sure you got to go into the White House. It's in your bodily fluids. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Uh, so yeah. maybe you got sweat on your head. They're touching that little, like they're going, okay, you don't have COVID. You have COVID. You don't have COVID. And then they didn't wash that thing off. And then that person right. got COVID. So, right. And, do you know that some people are naming their kids COVID and Corona? I, yeah, I saw that. That's the most. Yeah, the, the, that. Those people should have no business having children. That's they, the they, they should be castrated. <laughs> yeah, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard, for sure. But <laughs> anyway, talking metal is uh, uh, rocking, and uh, we're having a fun podcast night. We kept it serious, guys, when we were with David Ellison, who was one of our favorite musicians, and now we're kind of just having a fun time. We. I, I think we're all going a little bit stir crazy, guys. So um, yeah, yeah, this definitely. is acceptable, right? We're, we're going to be more yeah, serious. Absolutely. Um, what? Let's uh, let's let me see here. Uh, do you want to wrap it, or you want to talk another? I'm 10 ready minutes, to. Or? I'm ready to talk another ten minutes. Okay. Well, I'm going to. This is. I'm what, getting uh, shorter. I don't know. I used to be taller. Let me sit up. I'm going to go grab a drink and. Okay. And we'll do, I'll we'll do another 10 minutes. We'll do another 10 minutes. Okay. And wrap it. You go uh, grab a drink. I will too, but I'll wait for you so there's not any dead air. And I'll just. Uh, okay. Talk I was trying to see if we actually even have anybody watching at this point. But. Uh, uh, well, on YouTube, we will. I mean, on uh, Facebook, we will. Even if we don't now, we will later. So right. Right. Yeah. The last one I saw had like 800. Yeah. We did good. Something. We did good. Yeah, and then I, I put it on Facebook, too. Yeah, there's still 20 people watching, so that's not Good. bad. Yeah, all right, I'm going to grab a drink, which means I have to take my, my lavalier mic. Yeah, I know. I got a lav, too. I don't even know if mine's official. Hi, friends. I'm going to show you a little bit of the behind the scenes. Here's what we do with Talking Metal. We take notes. So I have two pages of notes on one piece of paper. This is my handwriting. So how cool is that? Want to see it? There's little drawings and arrows, and I keep the notes here so that uh, I know what to talk about. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to make a little confession. I called up David Ellison a little earlier, and I said, hey, uh, call in a few minutes early, and we'll make sure we get it all set up right. And and that's how you do it. You do a little pre-production. So that's what we do. This is a fake microphone, which on the last Talking Metal, I was using it, but I don't think it, this is like a couple hundred dollar microphone. I don't think it was working as well as it should have. So here's what I did. I bought like a $20 thing off of amazon.com. And uh, usually in professional situations, uh, we have one that hooks to a microphone pack and it attaches to your belt. This one, I just got wired right into my computer. And I wore this Black Label Society vest today, one, because it's cool, and two, because I can hook up the little microphone right to the vest. So how about that? So I've got all kind of new stuff. I've got trays 
I've got, I'm going to give you an example of a tray. This is a tray. It's on a giant stand, bigger than any drum stand I've ever seen. It's a tray, and it's holding my fake mic, and then I've got a duplicate tray holding the monitor. And uh, you've got to have lights, and you've got to have all kind of crazy stuff. So um, some people just do it right out of their laptop, but for me, Check, check, I like check. to do it this way. Hey, Mark. So guess what? I, I entertained the uh, Talking Metal uh, listeners and viewers for a few minutes. Hold on while I go get myself one more uh, drink so we can do a Talking Metal test, okay? Yeah, absolutely. I got my drink ready. So you know what? For you. Guess what? I'm so crazy that I was going to go get like a real drink. Okay. Did I? I, oh, I think froze I froze. Up, dude. Okay. I froze. Heck. Yeah. You're yeah, I can hear you, but you're still froze. Okay, I froze. I think it's going to, let's see if it unfreezes. Yeah. I don't know. Darn Hopefully it. it's still recording. Yeah. I hope so. I think it still is. Hold on. Second. Hold on. Hold on, Mark. You're back. Okay, good. Yeah. Yep. So guess what, guys? Check out. You want to see a good vest? Look at this. Black Label Black Society. Black. Thank yeah. you to Zach Wild and his whole crew. And you get a drink? Uh, I didn't, but guess what? You're not going to. I got that. That, uh, that. Here's the thing. Department. Guess what? I'm going to mark. I'm going to tell you something that I think you're going to laugh on. Okay. Right. Hear this? Yeah. As you can see, I did not go get a drink. But guess what I have just in my Vicinity? range, in yeah, my where? range of motion at any given point. I've got. Oh, Johnny Walker. Red. Red. Yeah. But I also have just in my vicinity. Amaretto. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> and then also in my vicinity, I've got that bullet. So I, wherever I'm sitting, there could be stuff. I'm kidding. It's a joke. You got an arsenal there. This yeah, is, uh, the, I'm going to be opening this. This is a New Jersey beer, uh, one of my favorite breweries, River Horse Brewery, another local brewery. The Brooklyn uh, Brewery is a, another one of my favorite local breweries, but uh, that's the shirt I have on. But this is from New Jersey, uh, originally started in Lambertville, New Jersey. They moved to Ewing, New Jersey, right outside of Trenton, and it's a, it's a great uh, IPA. It's not super heavy. It's like 5%. Uh, alcohol, um, but it, it's got a nice, refreshing taste and not too heavy, you know. So what that do you sounds think? great. So think? here's the thing: just so I don't have to leave, I'm gonna have this. This is lower end Johnny Walker, but it's good. It's it's yeah. uh you know fine. Uh, you know who am I? I'm not uh, you know Mick Jagger. I'm uh, John Astronomy. We're, we're, we can drink the Johnny Walker Red. All right. Cool. <laughs> well, I like I like these these live streams. I'm glad we're doing it because it really truly, I, in some ways, brings back the original flavor. Cheers. I'm talking about talking about toast. Cheers. Which these shows started off uh, back in 2005. We are going into our 15th year. Uh, John and I just having some drinks, uh, yep. talking, hanging out, talking interviews. About going a lot of a lot of running around too we would be out at bars talking to people we get random funny people on and uh talking metal stakeout guns yeah, and roses we were, able, stakeout. we were able to do some serious interviews but at the same time have a lot of um you know fun excursions just hanging out yeah so it's, yeah. It's and i think we yep. 
I, I think we had a great time and we, we, I mean, everything we did, I think was uh, amazing and I'm glad we're redoing it. And I'm sad that it's during COVID, but I'm happy that we're doing this. And uh, I think we should keep it going and uh, COVID or not, let's keep this happening. And then once COVID is over, we're going to ramp it up a thousand. Yeah. Well, here's what, what, once this whole nonsense is over, what I want to do is one of my last memories before the lockdown and everything was coming over to your house and we shot some stuff, which I actually have to check in with my brother on that. We, we did some videos of things. Uh, and then we went out to a bar afterwards. And then it was like really that following week, everything started kind of shutting down. Yeah, it was crazy. So that was kind of like one of our, my last excursions out. And I tell you what, one of my first excursions back from this nonsense, I'm coming there. I'm coming to the Silver Space. Absolutely. We're going to do it. We're going to hang out in Silver Spacecraft, and then we'll venture out into the areas yeah, that we'll are do a live stream, and, not this yeah. dual you know, location. Yeah, we'll do a single video live talking metal for all yeah. of you guys. Yeah, let's, uh, uh, let's, uh, yeah, let's, uh, Close to that. I'm going to hit this bump on that. microphone. Yeah. Bang. Yeah. And this is a real microphone, but it's not hooked up. Like what it, Mark, you used to have this on the Fuse show, like a, like a real yeah, microphone. Yeah, I had a microphone. You know, that reminds me, I sent that footage that we shot to my brother. Uh, I'm going to text him right now. Yeah. I wonder if he's watching. He's not on Facebook. Your so. brother's an expert, uh, uh, ex, I'm saying it incorrectly, expert video editor. Yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, uh, let's see. Did you check out that Talking Metal footage? Did you? Out the talking metal I, I guess we can tell people what we did that night at your yeah, place let's right do it. let's do it mm -hmm. yeah you you can say it better and then i'll come up with a segment right after that that'll be quick so but so, you, so john and i like in what in march um we we uh did a new sizzle reel for uh, a talking metal tv show um because, you know, we had the TV show, we did the Headbangers Ball thing, and I just feel like with that metal show currently off air, um, going on five years already that it's been off the air, I just feel like it's, it's uh, you know, the perfect timing for talking metal TV to return in some form. So it's always a long it. shot with these things, but we did, we did shoot this sizzle reel. It hasn't been edited yet. Um, but we will get that edited and, you know, when things kind of go back to normal, hopefully start shopping that and there's never any guarantees. It's, it's probably a very slim chance that anything would ever happen with it. But having said that, why not try, right? I think we should 100% try. And, uh, we, we put together a great video that night and, uh, you know what, Mark, you had come up with an idea for a segment that was me showing one of these insane guitars. What you want me to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. and my friend Joe Ryan, by the way, uh, he had an idea for a segment called Question Mark, where people could ask me a question about anything, hard rock or heavy metal, and I will give you my answer. Doesn't mean it's going to be a correct answer. Right. I will it give you, like, like Joe, Joe asked me to explain the whole, you know, Papa, Emeritus, and, and you know, Cardinal Culture. Oh, I love that. I did my best to explain on a, on a Talking Metal podcast episode. But I really like that because if I don't know facts about some heavy metal or hard rock related thing, I definitely probably have an opinion on it. 
So I think that could be a good uh, segment. If I think that would be a great segment. Talking Metal TV show uh, were to return, question mark. And I question love mark, you, you get doing uh, a guitar segment like you did. Oh, yeah, I would love to do that. Yeah, yeah I would love yeah. to do that. You know what's funny? Before I do the guitar segment, the sample, uh, you guys are going to see this for the first time, a guitar segment uh, that we didn't even pre-plan. Um, I listened to a remix of Dance Macabre. Uh, by ghost ABBA. by this french what's that the one that kind of sounds like abba no not that one um okay. i don't think it was that one it was a guy by a french composer maybe it is but um was it more like poppy dance it was more poppy so that probably was it but yeah right. it was a it was a french composer and um i have to i'd have to look up his name but uh uh, I just think that song, and I know it's not the most heavy metal song, but that's one of my favorite songs. Oh, it's so catchy, yeah. yeah. It's you so see how the video it's for, right, where they go to the... Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the and that house. crazy rocking dude that answers the door, that's like my favorite cool it looks guy. Like, right? He looks like that guy, what's that black metal guy, Varg Barkins or whatever that, oh, that, yeah. Yeah, that guy. I from. love it. That's like my favorite. We got to find out who that guy that is. Who murdered Aronimus. Uh, well, yeah, mayhem right that was the band. yeah mayhem guys that guy that was so cool i wish i could guess what if i had to say i cannot return to normal life i would be okay with returning to that video and that vibe right yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and with sister and you know that guy like sister and okay you know so okay. my brother responded uh and he, he is working on that footage okay good um, he's asking me for some b-roll right now which i'll try to get him and he's saying he might even have a rough cut in a week so there you oh, go that would be amazing okay. thank you tell mike i said hello mike striegel and mark okay i have guitars in the other room yeah show us one you, before we log yeah, off. why don't you pick one of these and Tell me, pick one, and I'll give you the history behind it. One of the Les Pauls there? Yeah, uh, pick any of them. How about that fourth one in? That fourth one in. The black one? Yeah, yep. This one? Yes. Okay, great. This one, and I'm, I'm glad you picked this, because this has a great story. Uh, let me just make sure this mic is okay. So, guys, this ha this is a Les Paul that has an amazing story to it. And, and for it the people who are listening to the podcast version of this, this is a black Les Paul, three pickups, uh, great-looking instrument. Thank you. We'll post a picture of it on the podcast. So here's the thing. I first saw this guitar hanging in Manny's music in, God, it had to be the maybe late 90s, early 2000s, uh, pre-2001. Pre so it had to be the late 90s. And um, I could be wrong, but I'll, I'll re-look it up. And now, Manny's um, Music was a very famous music store that went all the way back to like the 40s or 30s or something. And yeah. everyone from Frank Sinatra to, you know, uh, what, Miles Davis to like, you know, Van Halen to Def Leppard to Metallica had shopped there. I was once in there and the guy, Matt Sharp from Weezer was in front of me in line. That's amazing. And, That's and like back in, in like the 90s. And I first heard about Manny's because on Kiss Records, it would say thanks to Henry at Manny's Music and on certain right. Kiss Records. And Kiss used to shop there. And, and Henry was a, f a friend of mine named Judd, who you met, uh, yeah, Judd Goldrich. Yeah. 
uh, Judd and Ian uh, are brothers, and Henry was their grandfather. And uh, they later went on to run Manny's, and then they went on to do other things as well. Uh, and they're great friends of ours. And so at the time, this guitar was released by Gibson looking just like this, except it had black uh, pickups uh, instead of what these are called cream pickups. But it did have cream rings. So it was a cross between a Peter Frampton model and an Ace Frehley model, although it was what's, what I would refer to and most guitars would call a standard because standards have binding on one side and not on the other side, whereas customs have double binding and, and more elaborate binding. So what happened was I wound up um, meeting the amazing historic legendary guy Larry DiMarzio in Bozeman Montana now let me tell you who Larry DiMarzio is and Mark I know you know but Larry DiMarzio is a guy that uh, started DiMarzio pickups which are one of the premier you know top three pickup uh, companies in the world and and they uh, have a patent on the double cream pickups and which means two coils of cream Unlike that guitar, which has a black and a cream coil. And believe it or not, I had to make a fake pickup once for Ace for his smoking guitar. And Larry DiMarzio, of all people, drove me in Bozeman, Montana from my hotel to Staples so I can print out a fake pickup. How crazy is that? That's some of the amazing things that have happened to me right. working in this business and for Ace Freely and for everybody talking about it all works out so what larry demarzio was so nice that he sent me these three pickups because i wanted to replace the black pickups which made this guitar look like a peter frampton guitar which no offense to peter frampton i love him but i wanted it to look more like an ace guitar and i put them in but then i later discovered that the very the number two guitar that ever was given to the hard rock fa ever was a guitar from pete townsend and mm -hmm. it looked almost identical to this. Wow. So if you, it, it, and it was basically nearly an ace style looking guitar. Um, so you've got to research that online. And then the, here's where it tops this whole thing off. Ace came in my apartment one day. There's only been, guess what? I'm, I, something I was thinking about when, when David was going to come on. Right. In the Silver Spacecraft, other than us, we've had, here's some of the celebrity guess we've had at this silver spacecraft my new apartment david ellison metal mike bumblefoot ron thal of guns and roses and many other great bands scott coogan of la guns ace freely and uh brise of description uh, destruction <laughs> disruption uh that's a new band that i'm going to form tomorrow and uh <laughs> And uh, Chris Wise of The Cult and Ace and Hollywood Vampires. And Ace Frehley has actually been here. So here's the funny thing. When Ace picked this guitar up, he sat in the seat the, normally right there. And he picked it up. And this one knob is like loose. And it comes right off. It's like, here, this is a knob, people. See this? It's like one of these four things. And, and they, they, you know, they're supposed to stay on, but when Ace picked up the guitar to play, because he liked this because it looked like an Ace guitar. So he picked out of all those guitars, that's the one he picked up. He picked up, yeah. Out of all, the whole string of guitars, he grabs this one, and as soon as he grabbed it, the force of which he grabbed it, the knob flew off, and he was like, what? What's going on? 
<laughs> so it was really funny. Like when he picked it up, the knob went flying off, and I was like, wow. oh, I'm sorry. Like, because I was just going, how cool is this? And Ace Frehley is playing one of my guitars, and then the knob flies off, and it creates like a little stir. But anyway, um, I like to think that this particular model inspired Ace to start right. playing his black guitars again, because Ace was oh, playing. Really? Ace was playing his sunburst guitars, like almost exclusively. And then um, towards the end of maybe last year or the year before, he started playing the black ones again. And, um, you know, Ace has a zillion of guitars. And I like to think that him seeing this one inspired him to pick up his old ebony. That's what, so we, we would call this black, but in Gibson lingo, this is called ebony. So uh, Ebony with the Rosewood um, fingerboard and Aces, of course, were Les Paul Customs, which um, not all of them, but most of them, which were Ebony with an Ebony fingerboard. And and when I say Ebony is the wood, Ebony is the finish, not the wood. It's maple top covered in Ebony. This is a Rosewood fingerboard, uh, but if you have a Les Paul Custom, usually it's an ebony fingerboard. And uh, there, there are, of course, many variations, but uh, this is, I'm glad you picked this because it's a historic guitar played by Ace Frehley, bought at Manny's Music in New York uh, yeah, by my friend stories. Dana. And, yeah, well, let's uh, do this. Next story. time I'll pick another one. And, and yeah, sure you, how about the, what's great? We already shared the story it? of Nick scratching the back of the 1980s. Yeah, that was Nick Cavanaugh. I, I, uh, I texted Nick and I said, you should watch this. And he was <laughs> he, he was like, oh, you guys are busting on me or something. But I said, oh, uh, yeah, whatever. We but, love him. I don't mind anymore. I forgot about that. I forgot yeah, about that. But. Yeah, but I thought that was funny. Um, but yeah, oh, by the way, Nick Cavanero wanted to know if we wanted to interview his friend, uh, Rob, from uh, Bullbeat and used to play with Oh, him. yeah, Rob Caggiano. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I love Nick, that yeah. band. So, I, so we got a lot of people actually wanting to come on this show. I think there's, I'm going, I mean, I think there's a really good opportunity to, to get a bunch of people on the show. Maybe this is how we start it, you know, with a guest at the beginning and then we riff afterwards. I think it's a great idea, and you know what? I would love to have Rob Caggiano. I saw him at a show um, down at Bowery Electric right before this happened. And, oh, yeah, who was he playing? Um, no, he, he, was, uh, he was at a gig by somebody named Rachel Lauren, who was a great vocalist who was doing a showcase, and I met him after, and I said, Rob, uh, he was a Facebook friend, but I said, boy, I, I am a super fan of your band. And I knew that Nick worked with him, and right. uh, I am a super Volbeat fan. I mean, Did you know Nick Cavanero toured with Jesse Mallon? You know no, that? I did not know that. Yeah, playing like just like acoustic on on Jesse Mallon's acoustic tour, like playing. <laughs> I, I totally did not know. That. I went out to lunch with Nick. I hadn't seen him in in years. For the first time, right again, like right before all this COVID shit, it was probably the day before I was at your apartment or something. We went out to to breakfast or lunch or something, and uh, he he's like he's got a lot of stories too. That guy, man. He, well, you he, should have Nick on. I, I love well, Nick. Yeah, Cameron. some of them. Like he was telling me a, the most hilarious story about uh, a guy who we both love and know, Matt Pinfield. Um, but yeah, I wish I, I'm not going to share it here, but yeah. I, you know what? Nick Cavanero helped me uh, get involved with the show 8-Track Flashback. So I had some amazing stories with right. that. I, 
hung out with the late David Cassidy. I'm so sad. And uh, oh, shit, I, had some, dead, right? I had some amazing experiences with Leif Garrett. And then uh, my best experience now That's, that's ever, fucking amazing. David Cassidy is dead. And Leaf yeah. Garrett is alive. <laughs> that, yeah. that, if, if you would have no said to me 25 years ago, which one of those two will be be dead uh, in in the year 2020? I would have said absolutely Leaf Garrett. There's no way he's going to last another couple <laughs> of years. But yeah, there you go. And here's the thing: my my favorite uh, thing that transpired from the. Um, H.R. Glassbreak. And there's another thing that only Nick would remember, and I bet he wouldn't even remember, but I remember. But the greatest thing that is a big deal for me is that one time me and I'm going to tell this now for all the viewers and listeners worldwide that, uh, and this really doesn't make me any cooler, but it's just, uh, to me, I think it's cool. So I'm, I'm dialing it back so that people don't think I'm that stupid. But so I hope I did it. Suzanne Summers and I right. shared breakfast out of the same white styrofoam container using the same fork. Right. Wow. Together at the same time. So it wasn't like Suzanne Summers ate and then gave it to me when she was done. We sat together and ate breakfast. And how cool is that? Me and Suzanne Summers. Chrissy. Yeah. Of yeah, the greatest Chris, show yeah, ever, yeah, Three's Company. Absolutely, uh, that that was a, a incredible show for me. I, and I, she was I, like I, considered the hottest girl ever when we were yeah. Oh, kids. Yeah, yeah. Chrissy, but, no. Uh, but I, I, so I worked on a track flashback after Nick did. I kind of took over. I was like, I think I was. The <laughs> I didn't even I know that. <laughs> yeah, I was the associate producer. Nick, wow. Nick was on the David Cassidy. Because uh, it had three hosts. It was David Cassidy for like two seasons, Leif Garrett for one season, and then Suzanne for like two or three. And I was on one of the Suzanne summers. Oh, cool. So you were on, yeah. I didn't know that. I was like, yeah, yeah. It was with Mary Wharton and Tom Kanuski and Michelle Mahoney. I love all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have, I, you know, that's, that's the other thing I wanted. We, we should start telling stories because what you said there with the guitar was a great story that I, as a fan, enjoyed uh, hearing about Ace and a fan of you, John. Um, but you. I think we have so many stories, not just limited to, to hard rock and heavy metal people that I, I think it would be fun to share some of those stories here. Like I have a great Sean Penn's story. I've, uh, you know, Drew Barrymore, Garth Brooks. I could go on and on with, with, this oh, Mark, Mark I, I'm not going to give them away, but I know you got Michael Stipe stories. You got Susan Sarandon yeah. stories. You got yeah. a great story of your brother chatting up a, a, an amazing starlet at the MTV 1996 party in yes. Bryant Park. Yeah. Who was that starlet, real quick? Don't Gwen, give the story Gwen away. Gwen Stefani. Gwen Stefani. When she was in No um, Doubt, yeah, yeah. I, I I have I have I stories. I, I have stories of doing shots with Dennis Rotman. I I got I got tons of stories. I mean, we should and every no every week, and that, I know you, you do know? too. You do too. Yeah, so yeah. every week, crazy stuff. Yeah. We should pick ones that that we feel comfortable uh, that they go public. Say yeah, and, and, and tell them. Uh, but how weird is that that we have these stories, Mark? This is a strange thing. Me and you met in 1987 at Berkeley College of Music in Boston, Massachusetts. And then now it's 2020. Is that the right year? I don't even know what the right year is. 2020, COVID, and we're on a podcast 
on Facebook talking about some great stories. But we have a lot of great stories, and I think that our friends, I'd like to call everybody my friend, would enjoy hearing them, right? Yeah. Yeah, so definitely. I know we're just kind of loose tonight, guys, and this is going to be an epic, massively long podcast. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I will end with this story, and then on the podcast version of it, we'll end with some music from this band. This is the kind of stuff that only happens when you're hanging out with John Astronomy, in my opinion. About two years ago, um, we met up in Weehawken, New Jersey. I love it. And, yeah, and... John said, well, come to this, this bar that's in this hotel. It was like some weird place. It was weird to me. <laughs> and so we get there, and we're reco we record an episode of Talking Metal, and we're done, and we order meals. We order food, and we're hanging there drinking a beer, eating a burger, and all of a sudden, the doors to this place open. You, you know what this story is, right, John? I know, yeah. And, and, and this, these... these uh, African-American, or not even African-American, African guys come in, black guys, and they're kind of done up in African garb, and they're looking around. They look like security. They're kind of scanning the place. I'm like, whoa, what is this? And they're looking around, and all of a sudden, they open the doors, and in walks this, like, African king, prince guy, dressed in full, like, royalty, like something like from Zimbabwe <laughs> or something, and Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top. And they, the doors fly open and they march into this restaurant and they're looking around. I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and immediately, Billy Gibbons, we go, Billy, how are you, man? And, blah, 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 blah. and John's like, I once helped you move your guitars in Vegas. And, and Billy's like, oh, how are you, man? He's like, like, he knows us. Like, the guy doesn't know us. <laughs> He's like, he's like, good to see you guys. He's like, by the way, this is uh, Prince blah, blah, blah from, from yes. like the guy was actually a real prince from an African country. Yeah, yeah. He's like, this, this is my good friend, Prince Zimbabwe. He's like, yeah, so we're going to go have some meals. He's like, I'll catch up with you guys later. He's like hitting our shoulder. He's like, great to see you. And, he, and then the people next to us at the bar are like, you know the guy in ZZ Top? And we're like, no, we don't know him. He's just, and so anyways, he goes and he sits down. And they order some some food, and the next like fifteen minutes later, John and I are talking, and again on our shoulders, boom! I feel these two hand, my one hand on my shoulder, one on John's. He's like, "How are you, fellas?" And he comes back to us, and and he's yeah, like, "We didn't go like, to him. Like, what are you guys drinking?" And he's like, "And we're like, well, IPA." He's like, "Give me one of those quickly." Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> the bartender brings him one over. He's like, he's like, "Well, the prince, uh, you know, he doesn't drink, and uh, he doesn't like when people drink around him." And, and he literally he takes the beer, he slams it. He's like, he's like, hey, sir, give me another one of these. Give me another one of these. And we're like, it's on our tab. He's like, yeah, don't worry. I'm going to take care of you guys in a bit. And he slams another one. And John starts talking about Gibson's. And he's like, I got to go back to the prince. And he runs back to the prince. He's back with the prince about 10 more minutes. And then he comes back oh, and he, he comes back over and he's like, I told the prince I got to go talk to my boys again. He's like, uh, what are you guys <laughs> drinking? Let's get another round quickly. <laughs> And, and then eventually he started spending, this went on like for hours. And eventually he started spending a lot less time with the prince. With the and prince. And more time with, with John us. and Mark. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he started buying us drinks and I left and John and Billy were still at the bar. I was yeah, like, I, I stayed. I don't even know how long I stayed, but Billy Gibbons, the, in my opinion, one of the greatest guitarists of all time yeah and he just had a blast but what was so funny is that, that that was the thing the time that he was spending with the prince and the time that we were spending with talking metal so 
it, it gradually got to be more with Talking Metal than The Prince. Yeah, yeah, and that is an absolutely true story. He told us he was he had played Jones Beach the night before, which is out in Long Island, but he always stays at that hotel and yeah. eats that, uh, drinks at that bar because yeah. it is the one place in the tri-state area he can park his tour bus for tour free. Bus. So he says yeah. that's why he always goes there that? in Weehawk in New Jersey. We will not disclose the name of the hotel. The name of that hotel, yeah. The next time ZZ Top is in town, I'm sure they'll be. We don't want it to get bombarded. And by the way, Mark, here's a crazy thing. I can't believe this. I was speaking to this exact same story. I was on a meeting with maybe like, you know, 60 people today, Zoom. You have to like, Zoom can probably have a grid of, uh, I don't know, it could be like four times five. 20 people on the screen at once, maybe 30 people. Then you scroll through screens. And in one screen, I started to tell a story about how I, I ran into a place. And I didn't even realize this. Three of the people who were together on the Zoom grid at the time said, one person said, I once went into the Olive Garden and at the bar, John was sitting there. And then there was a guy that said, I once walked down into East Village and I looked in the window and John was sitting there. And then there was another person that said, I once went to this place and I looked in and John was sitting there. And I went, oh my God, right. I have been witnessed by people from my work and uh, in various places. So guess what? The, the story is this. If you come to New York and you go to a place, you might want to look around because there's a probably a 50-50 chance I'm there at that yeah. time. There you go. And uh, that's what happened to Billy Gibbons when he walked into that restaurant Correct. in Hawk in New Jersey, right across the river from Manhattan. We spoke with him about all sorts of stuff. I remember uh, I was talking to him about Josh from Queens of the Stone Age, and he really lit up when I mentioned that because he had played on a Queens of the Stone Age record. He's since played on... Uh, a desert sessions track with Josh, which is real good, by the way. And he, we, you spoke to him about guitars. We were talking to him about Texas and LA and all sorts of stuff, uh, touring, how he met the Prince. He told us that whole story. That was an amazing. Uh, I remember story. hearing that story from him, but what a memorable night. And uh, that's, uh, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Brush with greatness, right? Bru what... Yeah. We're going to do the brush with greatness and I'm going to leave it with one thing. He yeah. gave me his business card the first time I met him, which wasn't that time, but the first time in Vegas when I carried his guitar off of the airport baggage claim. So what happened? You were in Las Vegas and you go to the, the, the baggage claim and there's Billy Gibbons, right? Yeah. So, so before I see Billy Gibbons, I go to baggage claim to get my stuff and I see this guitar going around i'm like what the? there's a guitar then i look and i see it says something about billy gibbons and then i see this person hang with a sign that says billy gibbons now here's the thing i'm out there for vh1 rock honors so i know it's rock and roll time and um i walk over to the person who had the sign and i said uh hey do you know who billy gibbons is and they they were a person who might have been a, an amazing person but they they weren't like a billy gibbon like they it could have been just a random person they were just hired to pick up somebody with a sign. So they didn't know who anybody was. So I said, I know who the person you're here to pick up is, you know, a driver or a, somebody who is assistant to the driver. So I go, I wait there. And when Billy Gibbons comes up, I said, hi, uh, I'm John. I, I work for VH1. And then 
he goes, I got to get something off a of baggage claim. And I go, I saw your guitar. So I said, let's walk over to the baggage claim. I pick up his guitar and then I walk to the car with him. I give him his guitar and then he hands me his business card and get this. His business card did not say Billy Gibbons, ZZ Top Guitar God. It said Billy Gibbons, friend of Eric Clapton. Wow. <laughs> How crazy is that? That's awesome. That's amazing. And then he and had his phone number and, and everything. John, so, yeah. And John, it was almost. It was probably like let's see. It was probably eleven years later that that you met him then in in Weehawken. And the first thing right. you say to him is like, "I once helped take your guitar. I once helped." Yeah. Take <laughs> eleven years ago, I carried your guitar, brother. But yeah, great, great stuff. And I will end on this, John. And then I, I do have to go. Um, That's okay. But. Um, there is an excellent, uh, I spoke about this with Martin Popoff in a recent episode of Talking Metal. There is an is excellent Netflix documentary that Martin yep. Popoff actually worked on called uh, That Little Band from Texas, ZZ Top. Nice, and it is a, nice. Yeah, a great documentary. Yeah, our good friend Sean Burns was actually texting us about it. And I said, Sean, I know that oh, doc cool. documentary. Sean, our good friend, if you're watching, he uh, came down with covid it sounds like he's doing better. Uh, we're really praying. Sean for Burns, him. man. Yeah, Sean Burns is one of my best friends in the world. If I had to name like 10 people that I love, Sean Burns is one of them. And, and uh, God, he, he was battling COVID. I hope he's okay. Yeah, it sounds like he's doing better. So anyways, but, but you got to watch that, John, on Netflix. This I will, I will. And, and uh, let me, let me uh, I was going to put this guitar down, but you know what? Forget it. I'm going to hold it until the end of the podcast. Why don't we sign off and say thanks to everybody who watched us tonight. We had a great episode. Thanks to Emily for crashing in uh, when she first. Oh, Emily in, is like, welcome oh, no, every happening. time. Emily is welcome. She really uh, got She's David Elveson to, to light up there. Yeah, and yeah. That was a great gig. And that was a great story, too. And yeah. believe me, Mark, Emily, you welcome on every episode of this. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, God. She's cooler than us. But. <laughs> we'll play some ZZ Top to take us out. You want to? What do you want to do? We'll go with one of the big hits. Play some ZZ Top on. Play some ZZ Top. So can you do that on your audio, or should I try? It? Yeah, we'll do it on the podcast for sure. But I, I can, uh, I can pull let up. Something. Let let's let it rock on your mic. Uh, let's see what we got here. Um, yeah, let's see. I, you know, I played an obscure track recently. But I wanted to go with uh, something a little uh, more. You know what I love? That sleeping bag song. You know that song? I like that song. Yeah. Uh, it got me under pressure. It'd be nice, too. Cheap sunglasses, sleeping bag. You know You know what? They, remember the song? Um, not saying you have to play this, but. My Head's in Mississippi was great. Cherry Red's a great song. Cherry Red? Uh, yeah, that's, you know, uh, in relation to my old band, Cherry Red. Right. Right, what album was that on? Uh, it was a black and white cover. Uh, radio something. But any, I love ZZ Top and Billy, unbelievable. I still have one song that I'm going to submit someday to either Ace or ZZ Top and say, let's do this. Yeah, here we go. Cherry Red off the uh, Antenna album from 1990. Yeah. Uh, we can do that. I, I don't even know this song, John. So okay, yeah, somehow my mic's still on off. I think think we're still on. I hope we're still on, and I hope we're still rocking. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't. I can't really get it. To, 
I think it's because my audio uh, is not, it won't let me play it, but on the podcast version, I will play this. We'll play it. Okay, keep yeah. rocking, everybody. Listen Cherry to Red by ZZ Top. Red. See you soon, everybody. Rock and roll forever. All right, cool, John. Take care, brother. All right. So Bye. Are we off? Of, so you'll send me the file then? I'm going to send you the file. I didn't end the meeting yet, so I still oh. think we're live, but I will see you and I'll talk to you right after. Thank you.